I'm Mary Angela Abeo, and this is the Face to Faces podcast, a conversation series that provides a platform focusing on the LGBTQ and POC communities and their allies in the areas of activism, politics, mental health, arts and entertainment, and community. In this space, we discuss the human experience in our ever-changing world. My goal here is to remind you that while you may have moments where you feel isolated and alone, there is always an incredible community of people here that is safe. We all connect to people at our deepest pains and our greatest joys. And in this space, we're here for those moments and everything in between. I'm so glad you're here. Take a seat next to me. It's always open. Now, let's lean in. All right, everybody. We are back with the capacity for June with myself and my co-host, Portia. How are you? I'm good, darling. How are you? I'm good. We have a third guest here today who we are slowly, inchingly trying to get to be our third co-host. You know, we're trying to get her here. Her name is Elle. She is in D.C., correct, or near D.C.? Near D.C., yes. Um, Elle is a creator, activist, um, amazing human, plant, parent, all the things. Um, Makes me laugh on TikTok on a daily basis. Also, um, just is my inspiration to make as many white, fragile people um, uncomfortable as possible. (laughs) There you go. Welcome, Elle. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. You better come back. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Portia. I am, of course, of course. The thing is, Portia and I talk about you almost every fucking episode. So it was every a yeah. I did notice that. I literally proposed marriage the last time we talked about you. So, <laughs> and then I had to find out you were already married, and it was so sad. No, but like, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. thing. Yeah, I drank a whole bottle of wine afterwards. Depression. <laughs> traumatic first of all let me do a check-in how are you both how was your weekend did you have space to celebrate and to have space for yourself i'll let you go first oh my goodness yeah so the weekend was great i gave myself an opportunity with juneteenth over the weekend to just not do anything that i did not want to do um, and it was beautiful. I got to shop at some. So I'm really lucky that right around the corner from me is our local Main Street. And that area is just completely packed with Black-owned businesses now. So we spent the entire day just shopping around, really speaking with the people in the community. It was great. It was lovely. Had a great time and did some hot tubbing. So that was good, too. <laughs> I love that for you. Thank you. It. it was so fun. I love it. Uh, my weekend was good. I didn't do much of anything. I can say that, um, I'm grateful to a lot of the people that follow me on TikTok that were very generous with Juneteenth reparations and education pay. So I spent the weekend donating some money to Black and Pink and then doing a little shopping for myself and then doing really nothing else. It was Father's Day on Sunday, which is a little bit odd. You know, I lost my dad. So I sat in those feelings. It was nothing horrible, but just kind of sat in them. But it was a good weekend overall. I got a weird allergy thing happening. So I sound a little bit like Fran Drescher right now, which is amazing. <laughs> I had a crush on her, so that's fine. <laughs> what? It was a weird crush. I don't... <laughs> I still have it. She still looks good. She, she could get it. She's like, I totally understand that. 
Yeah, Fran, if you're listening, call me. <laughs> wow, that took a turn that I didn't expect and I wouldn't have expected. Coming. I don't know. I feel really good about it now. Now I have the vapors, like thinking about Fran Drescher. God. It's okay. Moving on. I mean, we were, we were talking about Juneteenth anyways. Um, and of course, it's been in the news because what uh, do we expect from our white patriarchy uh, and capitalism except for monopolizing and co-opting a holiday that has nothing to do with them? It, it took 72 hours to make this a national holiday. And we've been asking for police reform, um, anti-lynching laws, the uh, voter suppression to stop, the George Floyd Act to be passed. That's that's all we wanted, you know, for people to stop killing us. But exactly. it's a holiday. And my problem with the holiday is, is that it basically serves rich white people. Now, does it help black people? Absolutely. I've had a lot of backlash about that because I'm saying only white people get the day off. It's not the point. The point is we're celebrating the emancipation of African-American people and African-American people are still serving white people. Right. You know, the courts that are closed. So people are missing their court dates. You've got people in the service industry that are serving white people. They're like, I have a day off. I'm going to go to the bar. There were Snapchat stories that I saw of people, white people, cheersing happy Juneteenth at the bar. Oh, no. So while I think that the holiday is good, thank you for recognizing the date, did it do what it needed to do? Absolutely not. No, not no. Not at all. Elle, what are your thoughts? Yeah, kind of the same thing. I think for me too, just to kind of extend that conversation as I posted a video about that kind of along the same lines. And I think my worry is what capitalism is going to do to this holiday. You know, I'm, I'm seeing all of the wait, the, the routes that people chose with pride merchandise uh, this month. And I'm thinking this is going to be with Juneteenth next year. You know, I actually went into um, a business here and I was a little bit concerned about some of the face masks that they were giving out. And I'm like, mostly white area. What's going on with this? You know, and it's like, you know, not that I don't. I appreciate it and I appreciate what they were trying to do, but this is not a holiday for you to sell your product. Like where, what are you actually doing with the money that you're making? You're doing all of these sales, but are you actually putting the money into the community? What's actually happening with that? Or are we just using this as another reason to sell drinks and discounts in stores? You know, I'm, I'm, it just really missed the mark for me. Uh Uh-huh. And then again, Portia, it was like exactly what you were saying. This isn't what we asked for. This felt like throwing scraps and being like, well, here you go. Yeah. Here you go. And then this will settle people down for a little bit. That's, That's what I quite heard. the opposite. That's exactly what I heard was, why don't you just put a disclaimer that says, maybe you'll shut up for a little bit. Exactly. That's what I heard when they did that. I was like, oh. That's, that was, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Maybe you'll be quiet. I actually had people say, what's going to make you happy? Yes, I had that too. What? Uh, what would be enough? Yeah, what would be enough? Yeah. Why are you so angry? Why aren't you angry? That's right. And the fact that we're celebrating this holiday now, at the same point that states are trying to ban critical race theory being taught. Right. And the reason why people are getting so mad is because they don't understand what the holiday is about. Exactly. 
the massive disconnect between those two things is still not realized. It's huge. How are you going to learn about the holiday if you are banning the teaching? None of it is. It's like, I know you didn't learn new math, but still like. Right. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't make any sense at all. You can't have a holiday if you haven't taught people what the holiday is. Right. And the, the bigger thing is, again, it comes back to the fact that it's about emancipation. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be celebrating the emancipation of black people. Yet we have, again, mass incarceration with a disproportionate amount of black people that are currently in prison. It, it does, it's never going to make sense to me. It's never going to make right. sense to me. Exactly. And especially when we still have things like voter suppression going on, we're still fighting for these very basic things. And to me, this is intentional. It's keeping our history box in this little tiny little box and saying, "Okay, well, we've given you these holidays. You've got Black History Month. Now you've got Juneteenth. What will be what will you know, what will make you happy? What will satisfy you? But the intention in doing this was not to make progress at all. And I think that that's what some people were getting stuck on is thinking that this was progress. No, no, this was just a safe face to say that this administration has done something. Right, right. There have been plenty of um, white women, of course, uh, Mm -hmm. that have said, well, this is a step in the right direction. No, it's not. It's a Mm -hmm. lateral step. Right. It's a a lateral step. I won't say it's a step back. I I won't say it's a step back, but it's a lateral step. You know, people are like, this happened hundreds of years ago. I mean, 1865 ideally was not that long ago. Right. It wasn't. You know, the defense that it was started in Texas. Cool. Look at Texas now. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I don't know if we should brag about that. Somebody, somebody tried to tell me that it was uh, 45's idea. And, I was like, that's one of the most laughable things I've ever heard in my entire life. What? Oh, oh, the things that people have come forward to say. And a lot of it's because I called for people to give money to black people. Now, that statement is a broad statement. It means spend your money at black businesses, uh, donate to black led organizations and pay reparations to people that you've learned from. But of course, white people are like, I'm not giving my money to black people. I need it for my own family. If that's what you took from that, then you're part of the problem. Yes, I got a lot of that, too. And I'm like, you just were hearing what you wanted to hear there. And I think a lot of the times when we're having those conversations, people are not listening to learn from our experiences. They're not trying to move forward or, you know, even think about things fully and, you know, critically think about the situations. They're only listening for their chance in the argument. They're Uh looking for things to pick apart. And that I got a lot of that, too. It was very frustrating. Yeah, they're looking for their buzzwords. Exactly, exactly. They're preparing yeah. for their moment to, yeah. they're trying to fit in their rebuttal without listening to what you're saying. Exactly. I'm just like, don't give your money to black people. You don't have to. If, if you literally took my word as that you have to do it, then you've given me a lot of power and I need to examine that because apparently I'm not doing enough with it. But you're missing the point. Right. You're missing the point. If you, if you feel like this holiday is so great, then do something to actually uplift Black people on this day. Right. Right. Exactly. Instead of sitting here and arguing with me. <laughs> Which is, that is just, 
it's dismissing and gaslighting the entire thing when that happens. It's like the energy that you've taken and the amount of emotional energy that you have taken to try to explain this. It just fits in all of that. It's Uh the base of all of that energy that you both give on a daily basis and you don't have to. And that's the thing you're already giving. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of the times that people think because you put yourself on this platform that you're expected to do this, but like I've actually had people send me worksheets of like things that they think that I'm supposed to be talking about. And I think that they don't. Yeah. Like actually send me an item list of topics to speak about. And they really expect that. And they think that because we're putting ourselves here that we're always willing or that we always have, you know, the emotional capacity or the spoons to do so. And I don't, I think, especially around this Juneteenth conversation, I don't think that people were recognizing that a lot of us black people were speaking from a place of being hurt and they were not seeing us as humans with human emotions and they were just trying to poke, 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 poke at it. And, you know, say think pot. And I think that there's this, when things like this happen, there's this thing that people want to say, well, it's a good thing and it's progress. Yes. Okay. In some ways, but there are still human beings on the other end of that screen who are sharing an emotional part of themselves while also trying to educate you on it, but are speaking from a place of being hurt by this. I wish a motherfucker would send me a fucking checklist. I would. I had it twice happen and I had somebody send me a PDF. Oh no. They went out of the yes. PDF. Yeah. I would, I would immediately forward that back with that emotional labor invoice and say, because <laughs> you took the time to actually type this up, these rates are doubled. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. It was a big slap in the face to me because I was actually at a time where I was taking a little bit of a break. I got a lot of backlash um, after a few videos that I had made. And this person came with me. Well, I know that you need to take care of yourself, but when you come back, here's some things I'd like to talk to you about. And I'm like, you did not get the point of that at all, <laughs> but okay. Can I tell you that I'm even like my petty Aries moon is like, why does it have to be a PDF? Because you didn't want me to edit it. Like, <laughs> exactly like okay i went there I too have, i have can i have the doc version because you fucked up every single one like yeah this red lines yeah. all the way through it right. i i think that that this weekend has really um and actually lately it's been more than this weekend people have forgotten that there are humans behind tiktok videos yes. right and we need to normalize that tiktok creators are humans Yes. Right. Um, and I think that for, for me, a lot of my content recently has been more education, less their straps, which I got to balance that out a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're missing the <laughs> <laughs> told me that. Um, but with that comes a very interesting dynamic, right? And I've been lucky for the most part. And I speak to this L all the time. And I just, I look at L's comments and I'm like, I, this shit, this does not happen to me. Not at this level. Um, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And L, you and I talk about this. And I think part of it, we've talked about, I think part of it's an age thing. Mm -hmm. Um, because first of all, they don't know how old you are, but they're going to assume that you're younger. I've mentioned my age a couple of times. And then also, if you want to speak to this also, some people don't view you as a black woman 
Uh, right. Been, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pull that out. And so, if, if, you know, if I were, Elle and I were talking about this. I love this dynamic, right? We've got three different humans. We've got a monoracial Black person, a biracial Black person, mm-hmm. and a non-Black person. So we have very three very different views. And I feel like from looking at Elle's comments and the way people respond to her versus how they respond to me is they don't see Elle as a Black woman or somebody that is licensed to speak on black experiences because she's biracial. Correct. Wow. Yeah. And I think um, a lot of that is also, and Portia and I have spoken a lot about this because I'll just send like angry text messages. Um, I think a lot of it is, you know, when people see me, so they see me and they see my face and they think, okay, so she looks black, but they hear me and hear me as a white woman. And I think that they relate to me on the way that they can hear me and not necessarily the way. And I also have gotten this my whole life because of the way that I dress and the way that I act, that I don't act, you know, like I, a monoracial black person would act. And I hate that entire thing. But I think with my TikTok specifically, people relate to me, especially because I've spoken very openly about the fact that I was raised by my white mother and only by her. So I think that because of that, they think that there's something that we relate to. And they think because I have a white mother, well, oh, she's she's just white. She's white with tan. And I think that they see me as a tan person until I am correcting them. And until there's a little bit more emotion behind my voice and then they immediately pull the angry black woman card. But I, I, you know, that's something that I've struggled with the entirety of my TikTok. And recently, right before this entire Juneteenth thing happened, I was actually getting tagged um, from multiple creators telling me that I should not be speaking on issues. and I should not be considering myself an activist because I am not monoracial. So it's been, you know, just disres- the levels of disrespect there have been, it's been a journey, but it's it's interesting though, just to see why I think the relatability is what attracts people to me initially, but then it's also the reason that they speak over me. <laughs> if that right. makes any sense. I think that, um, I think that some people on their anti-racism journey are still learning how to, to best protect and respect black people, right? So when they look at me, a monoracial black woman, they think, okay, I have to listen to what she says. I I have to hear what she says. I might have an argument, but I'm going to say it in a different way. Whereas with you, Elle, because they find you relatable, they're going to talk to you like they would talk to their white counterparts, which is a problem. It is a huge problem. It's a huge problem because they automatically believe that they get some sort of pass with me because of that. Yeah. And there's, I see that a lot where that's something that comes up in almost every conversation where I'm correcting someone is they say, Oh, but we're friends or, Oh, but, Oh, but nothing. You don't get a pass with me. And a lot of times people will, I've even had a, a creator over the weekend say this to me, I'm denying my whiteness by calling these things out so they really are seeing me as yeah what they are thinking that because i for the most part not intentionally but routinely am correcting white women some people perceive that as i am seeking them out 
to correct them. That's just the majority of the followers that I have are white women. And again, I think it's because they see a monoracial black person, they see me and they think, well, I'm a little bit safer because they can, I, they can screw up with me because, you know, it's, they feel like they can be racist in front of me because I have a white family. So they think that I was raised with the same way of thinking that they were raised with. And can I ask you a question? Um, when you hear that statement, I'm denying my whiteness. How do you feel about that? It immediately takes me to a place of trauma. Um, because that is something that I have heard routinely my entire life from my white family. Um, And I take it, especially it's, it's a little bit harder for me now in this time is because this year, two years, I guess now has been a time where for the first time in my life, I have really claimed, not claimed, but reclaimed my blackness because I wasn't taught anything um, growing up, you know, and I was very much taught to identify as L who happens to be biracial, who happens to be black. And, you know, even growing up, I was not allowed to call myself black. I had to specify um, that I was biracial. So to me, it feels like a slap in the face because the way that I was raised up until I turned 30 almost was only recognizing my whiteness. So to me, it's like, why is that? I always just, I don't understand why they feel like my whiteness completely cancels out my blackness or that I don't have a right to it. And that's something that I'm, I've been seeing a lot on TikTok is me not having the right to claim my blackness. And I'm not sure where that line of thinking comes from. I think on the flip side of it too, when white people say that, when they say that they're, when white people say I'm denying my whiteness, it's dangerous because they're excluding themselves. Well, and they're trying group. to take themselves out of that. Yeah. 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 I've had people say, I hate being white. I hate, I don't like being white. I hate, <laughs> I hate us. Listen, girl, I hate us too. Sure. What are you going to do to be on the right side of this white race that you're part of, that you can't do anything about? that you have problematic family members, what are you actually doing except for saying how much you hate your race? Right. Exactly. How are you moving forward so that you're not, it's, it's, here's, I'm, 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 I'm comparing this because somebody was talking about um, not wearing masks earlier and they were like, well, I don't wear masks anymore because of A, B, C, and D. Um, But I get, I get people that look at me funny because I don't. And I said, so, carry it on your wrist, like something like have a conversation, like yeah. don't want to be lumped into this, you know, racist, white, horrible group of people. Use your voice, be, you know, proactive, educate yourself, be, right. be a, an accomplice, like be part of this. Don't just be dismissive and say, that's not me. I'm not one of those white people. Like it just doesn't, It doesn't doesn't do anything. It's it's the same thing when white women say um, other white women instead of us. It's a you are still part of this group. You can be part of a group that's problematic. That's not causing the problems. Right. There's you can be. It comes down. I had this conversation about even about the fucking police. There's still good people in the force. We know that. Right. The group as a whole. You still have to include yourself in this group. But like you said, Em, 
what are you doing to make this group less problematic? Right. Quit trying to run away from what you are, right? You can't yeah. deny that you're yeah. white anymore that we can deny that we're black. We get lumped in all the fucking time. Doesn't matter what's going on. So you stay in that group that you're in and then tell me what you're doing to make some changes. You're going to be white all the time, Becky. That's not going to change. What are you going to do to become Rebecca? Like, what are you going to do? Well, and it's, I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Amanda Seals. And Amanda Seals talks about there are white people and there are people who happen to be white. Yes. <laughs> And there is a difference. Yes. Be somebody who yes. happens to be white, not a white person. Yeah. Right. And I appreciated that because I understood it. And I was like, yes. That and makes so much sense. No better. What are you going to do to be somebody who just happens to be white? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? And please don't run until the first black person you see what you're doing. Yes, that part. Yes. Don't yes. need a progress report. Do not need exactly. A I'm not grading this. <laughs> and I think a really good example, and I think this is a good segue for this, because I used to say to people, the most feared person in the world to me, the most feared group of people to me are the kind of like middle of the 20s white males with trench coats. Like that's a very fearful age for me. But now I'm moving towards karens i'm moving towards like middle-aged white women from the suburbs who can cry on command who can cry wolf on command they are terrifying that tiktok trend that started and i think a lot of people know this if you don't look it up of this white yeah she had to have been in her 20s this video um she starts to sob and then she stops And she's like, see, that's how easy it is. And this black male duetted it and said, or stitched it and said, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything because the last time I said something, I got my video taken down for hate. But I'm just going to leave this right here and let you know how easy this is. Let you know how this makes us a target. Like it was so well done. It was duetted thousands of times. But it was also became a trend. And all of a sudden, all of these white women on TikTok started showing how easily and fast and falsely they could start crying and feel terrified of something fake. I, I've seen um, the defense of people saying it's an acting challenge. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen people saying, well, it makes me think about like different abuses situation. OK, but also bullshit. And there's a statement that's been said that the most dangerous things to black people are white women's tears. Yes. And it's 100% true. Emmett Till, I'll say that that's enough. Um, But white women, when they cry, the world stops to figure out why they're crying. It does not matter what the situation was prior to that, they want to know why white women are crying. Um, And it's disgusting. It's disgusting how we can place that much value behind tears without doing any due diligence. And I did a video saying that I used to want the audacity if this is that white man, but now 
I want the cis, I want the audacity of a white woman that says, what about this? Same thing, those white tears, because again, everything stops. Um, and, and that's horrible. And so the fact that people are just showing how easy this is, and somebody even made a good point, it goes beyond how it affects black people. It goes into how it affects men when women are accusing men of certain things, um, when they're accusing their, like anything. Because if you show how quickly you can turn that on and turn it off, and how quickly that sympathy is, oh, but what should we do? And Ellen, I'm going to let you speak about a video that somebody posted with that happen. And that's, that is so, so dangerous. And the fact that it's being defended proves how dangerous those tears are. Yes, it does. And uh, for me personally, I'm just going to share a little side note about my personal life. I was in a situation where I had to go to court and I had to testify against a partner of mine. And I was actually told, now, let me stop and pause, knowing that tears can be weaponized. I was very aware of that being, you know, in a situation where I was raised by a white woman. I have seen that in action. I have seen my older white sister do that. I went into court being aware of that and was trying to do the opposite. And I was actually told that I was not believable because I was not doing that. So that, what starts as, whatever they wanna say, I've heard so many different excuses. It was from Vampire Diaries, it was an acting challenge, whatever it is. I don't think that people understand that that does have real life consequences for real human beings. And it might seem like it's a funny little trend, except for the fact that people really do it that quickly. And it really can be life ending in certain situations. Mm-hmm. There was a woman that was saying that uh, she's a white woman on her video. I made the comment about how this is problematic. And, and somebody came back and said, can you explain this? Um, and in that moment I had the, I had the time and I had some space and I said, Emmett Till do some research yeah. on that. And then kind of broke it down a little bit more. And so she said, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for explaining that. The original creator said, this is true. My, the father of my child got arrested because I was crying when the cops showed up. It had nothing to do with him. The cops believed that he had done something, listened to nothing else and arrested him. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really easy to be uh, scared of the patriarchy and the male white figures making rules about race, about our government, about bodies, about all of that. But the white middle-aged females in rural America are raising children. Yes. That's fucking terrifying to me. They are raising children to think this is okay. This behavior is okay. Like I, I can't get past that. Like, so now whenever I see a care, whenever I see somebody being, indignant uh around that is that it, i am i am like hawkeyes on them right like no, no no you're not getting away with anything on my watch like no i see you and it's going to take other white people to call out these white women honestly i wow. had i have a a black gay cis friend here in seattle named carlos carlos has his own podcast carlos um had a woman have road, a middle-aged woman had road rage against him, was honking, swerved, cut him off, called him the N-word, screamed it out the window, a pedestrian heard. So he followed her in his car because he was like, we are going to talk about this because none of this was okay. By the time she figured out he was following, 
she had gotten to her house, got out of her car. Thank God he was video t- audio taping the whole time or videotaping. She threw herself on the ground saying how scared she was for her life because wow. this black man had followed her home, not pay, not being accountable or saying anything about what had happened before. And it was like, all of a sudden he was getting death threats to his home because of her tears that went viral. But he was like, what you don't realize is I have the rest on tape. Like, right. but it was like, you should have seen the people out to get him because of her tears. It's frightening and it's horrible. It's terrible. It's, it's absolutely terrible. I mean, and you make a good point. Like white women are raising these children, you know, and it's, it's happened that way for a while. And I wish I I can't recall it. So I'll bring it up another time. But even if we use somebody like Susan B. Anthony, who everybody is like, Oh my God, she's done so much good. Blah blah. But we know what she said about black women and voting. So another reason why white men, white women are so dangerous is because like you said, the patriarchy, we all expect that to be shit, right? Right. We all expect men to just be trash. This come on. Um, The problem is, is that the partners, the spouses, the sisters, the daughters of these men are now perpetuating this message that they have been taught or that they've learned and they get away with it. Right. (laughs) Right. Starts with really small microaggressions that these women don't realize that maybe, I I don't think, I I think these women need to be pointed out early. Like it starts with a young black man's walking by your car and you lock your door. Yep. And so I have a creator, Leon, who I follow. Leon is this young trans black man who, said he's starting a new trend he's gonna start making tiktoks when he's in his car did you see it yes he's like when i'm in my car i'm gonna start making tiktoks and every time an old white woman comes by i'm gonna i'm gonna tape it and i'm just gonna lock my door and hold my bag (laughs) oh i love it i love it i love to see it and then it starts early yes it does it starts with this implicit bias it starts with this bias that's just ingrained you know, and, and this is why people are like, ah. I mean, it's, it's, it's learned. You, you learn it because you see it. Right. Um, but it starts there. So the whole moving the other side of the street or locking your door or shifting your eyes or whatever the case may be. And then those implicit biases turn into other statements of to L. Well, I mean, you're not like that black or right. To me, like you don't really act black. You don't. You're not like that black girl. Or it's getting to be summertime and be as dark as you. Or oh, why are that. you so angry? Like all of these little things. Or you're so articulate. I've I've had that in my comments. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say this today to anybody who listens, who follows me on TikTok. Stop saying that I'm articulate, because Same. you will not say that to a white creator. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, I'm well spoken. Thank you. I'll go left in a heartbeat, but that's a microaggression, and people. <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> and I, I will. There's been a couple TikToks that I've just gotten like ragey, and I watch it back, and I'm like, well, I've gone there. And I've be- called somebody out in a giraffe onesie. It happens. <laughs> It happens. <laughs> TikTok so well. I will see you rip someone. You will drag someone across a rough carpet 
while wearing a, a onesie that is animal themed. And it's just, it, it, it's the actual <sighs> special that I never had growing up. That I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I appreciate it. It's my thing. It's my thing. You know, I got really tired of people being surprised um, that, you know, they were going to get a different side of me. So I'm like, okay, you know what? You keep crossing these boundaries and I'm going to read you and I'm going to drag you all the way across the screen, but I'm not going to interrupt my peace for it and take off my onesie. Absolutely not. I Absolutely love, not. Absolutely I love when not. The water like, comes out. Like that's. Yeah, you know it's bad when the water bottle comes out. <laughs> hey, that's where we are at TikTok right now. Like TikTok has these weird, I mean, th- we can segue into our next topic. This is perfect. Like black creators are having to boycott things now because white creators are taking things so quickly, co-opting yeah. them, and then getting all of this attention, all of these views, all of these things. And it's like black creators have had enough and I don't fucking blame them. So <laughs> I was not aware of this until you told me about it. <laughs> Uh, Magna Stallion, um, our Lord and Savior, who <laughs> I agree with that statement. Praise be. Yeah. Uh, I used to, so I used to thank Gay Baby Jesus, and now I thank Baby Magna Stallion. Um, she oh. has her new, she has her new hymn out, um, Psalms, Thoughtalations, and it's called <laughs> Thought Shit. So good. Uh, but what I love, and I, this is why I love Black people so much, is they've collectively black creators have collectively boycotted choreography for that song. Mm-hmm. And so currently, if you go to that sound on TikTok, you see layers and layers and layers of unseasoned white people just <laughs> randomly pointing. I'm so up. mad at that. I'm so, I don't want to see any of it. It's going to give me nightmares. I don't want to give awful. them. The, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Oh, stop. Really? Yes. I'm serious. Wow. I'm serious. The directions are in the song. It tells you what to do. But they, they can't do it without us. They can't yeah. do it. Yeah. And they can't do it without us. It's so great. It's, it's so great. But. It's like telling somebody that you're giving them your sweet potato pie recipe and then giving them a fruitcake recipe. And then they're like, I don't know what happened. And that is why people have thought shit without choreography. Can we get Megan Italian to maybe do like reaction videos to these now that would be the best you know what meg the stallion is is too good and i'm going to share that for the end because she's again our lord and savior but she would not do that i would love that i would i would love it too <laughs> i'd make popcorn to watch well, that. I think maybe all the black creators that boycotted it should do reaction videos i'm here well, they, for that they kind of are there's like <laughs> little and stuff it's so good it's so good um, but it's true. I mean, there was that one creator that was on Jimmy Fallon doing like the saddest version of the updance. And it was like, cool. It's great. But I it just goes. <laughs> you what? I had to pause it. When I saw that video, I had to pause and walk away. It frustrated me. Um, it was so bad. It was so bad. But it just shows that we, Black people have been carrying this app Oh, 100%. 100%. The entire time. Mm-hmm. And it just mm-hmm. speaks to the fact that, again, you know, white people will say, I'm not going to give my money to black people. They haven't done anything for me. I mean, we've been giving you free labor forever. I saw right. this clip of Shark Tank. Uh, so there was this bonnet conversation. We don't have to go into that because I don't like to give Monique that much attention, but there was a whole thing about Monique and black people wearing bonnets, whatever. Yeah. 
But I saw these two white women uh, on this clip of Shark Tank, and I saw it on a TikTok video, and they came with their, their new invention, and they were talking about how they were having a dinner party, and they had cooked some fish, and they thought they could smell the fish in their hair. And then they went to the <gasps> bar, and the bartender yeah. said, hair smells like fish. So what did we come up with? Some bullshit kitchen do-rat. It's a bonnet. It's a fucking bonnet. <laughs> we named it. And said, now we can cook without our hair ever smelling like fish. Give me a break. <laughs> I quit. I can't. <laughs> what is that? What is it made out of? It's Stop it. We did not say that was a new invention. It's a bonnet. I don't understand. <laughs> okay. Huh? That's where we are. Just like this blatant admittance of lack of creativity. There it is. Blatant there it is. is that like we have been stealing from the black community for so long that we're going to be so blatant about the fact that we have no creative bones in our body. The Kardashians. Oh God. Oh, right. It's funny. I will see a funny meme that's Cardi that has a Kardashian in it every once in a while, and it, I want to. I will refuse to share them. I'm like, I don't want them any part of my life ever. Like, no. The whole, the entire thing is disgusting. They're the prime them. example of stealing black culture. Prime, like, mm-hmm. I I feel like they've kind. Of, I feel like even the dad is kind of still trans culture too. Like in a lot of ways, there's like. I think he's still there. She still uses dad. Yeah, they they, they they still use dad, but Caitlyn, like yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I mean the trendy braids that have been cornrows forever. Everything, the uh, nails, the lip, everything. Every, yeah, I just saw a great article actually. Um, recent, it was like June twentieth. Why and when is it offensive for non-black women to wear black hairstyles? And I was so excited to read it. I was like, thankful. Yes, we keep talking about this. Keep talking. Because I still get the people still commenting on that stupid red post. Like, oh, geez. That was like months ago and I'm still getting it. But they, the first thing they do is Kylie Jenner and Kim Kardashian pictures of their box braids in this. It's like, cool. Perfect. Let's call them out first because they are the first ones to come out. Like, yes. It's, it's, I mean, and the hypocrisy behind it, again, we just passed laws for black people to be able to wear their hair naturally in 2021, right? Right. right. But white women can wear cornrows and they can dread their hair and it's trendy. And the fact that people can't see the fact that you can do this style that was co-opted from black culture and be said, Oh my God, you're so cool. And then we wear our own styles yes, and we're ghetto or yes. you know, we're judged for wearing wigs, which is a protective hairstyle for right. women who have their hair natural. People don't understand to have your hair natural is fucking maintenance. Right. Oh, it's so, so much work. It's so much work. So and it's a pit, lot of money also. A lot of money. So to put braids in or to wear a wig for a while, it's a protective hairstyle. You're protecting right. your natural hair without having to spend all this extra money on it or take all this extra care of it. But we're ghetto for that. Right. And the actual, the actual 
co-opting of the culture and being cool and hip is not something that is given to the community that actually owns the hairstyle just to the white person that's doing it for Coachella. Right. Right. You know what I mean, and that's just trash. It's trash. It it's trash. And I feel like you two both on TikTok and on social media get a lot of those Karens and a lot of those people that are this performative um, white woman that you can tell. Like I've had a few incidences where I've seen Portia do some responses to people that are like, I'm an ally, I'm this, I'm that. And then it turns into this big argument where they make like three videos about you. And I'm like, uh -huh. what is going on? Like, what? how does this come from? You're trying to be like a, a I don't want to say activist. Like they're just trying to be someone in the community that has a voice because I don't even want to call them that. And then they, they go so far right so quickly. Because they try to go from here to here without these steps right here, right? And so they'll say something problematic. This happened pretty recently. This woman was asking about why do we have to use different terms? It, it started with my conversation with the stud and stem thing we talked about in the last show or last episode. And then she said, well, why do we even have to use different terms? And I, and I spoke to that and I said, it's about representation. Mm -hmm. So the entire English language is designed for white women or white people. And so when black people come up with this term to identify ourselves within our community or outside of it, that's what it is. And then she, she, I mean, she just kept going and she just kept going. And so the problem is, is like you mentioned, they come in thinking, yes, I am an ally. Yes, I'm exactly where I need to be. And when they get corrected, they cannot handle the correction. And their instinct is defense. They are on the defense. And my thing is, you can be defensive all you want. My message will remain the same. And all you're doing now is clowning your ass. Yeah, all you're doing now is just outing yourself. <laughs> I'm sorry. Exactly. Go ahead. <laughs> I think a lot of that too, at least for me on my side with my page is I think a lot of people who are calling themselves allies, now I'm speaking from my experience on my page here, but a lot of them just want that access. They just want to say, oh, I'm friends with so-and-so creator. Or, you know, even in real life, they just want that pass, that theoretical invite to the cookout. It's never been about doing anti-racism work. It's all about the outward image of what that person looks like. And if you were scrolling through their, I mean, it really has, it's boiled down to purely what that person looks like on their social media page, even on their Instagram. It's about the image that the world is perceiving. They're not doing anything to change. They're just trying to prove to other people that they're not racist without doing any of the work because that badge of I'm not a racist means so much more to them than actually putting in the work to do any real change or take any accountability. And it's very easy for them to call out everyone else. Right. That's the easy part, right? It's to jump in a conversation, speak over you while also trying to correct somebody else. And then they wind up tripping and falling on their face. Right. And it's again, I, I often want to ask people, why are you calling yourself that? Like for real, really, why are you calling yourself that? Is it for me or you? Mm. Is it so you feel more comfortable with saying that you're an ally? Because if you were actually interested in being that or an accomplice, then you would be doing your own inner work. You would be getting a journal. You would be writing that down before you're throwing that in my face and asking me to do emotional labor for it for free. 
Ever. And that's for ever. (laughs) And that's why I say that ally should never be a self-appointed title. You don't give yourself that title. I need to see that you've done some work and then I'm going to call you an accomplice because I see you next to me. Right. Right. And so, um, right. And we talk a lot about the women that we've had problems with and poor Ellis froze. And we talk about the, the women that we've had issues with. And I will speak to the women that I have seen grow. I want to give some, I want to give a little bit to them as well, because I've been asked, why do you keep doing this? I, and we've talked about this. I come from a place of grace. I've been granted it. I don't know why, but I have it. Right. And another reason why I keep doing it is when somebody shows up in my comments showing their full ass Mm -hmm. and I don't have to say anything. Mm. And I watch them come collect. And in the middle of collecting, they say to me, am I doing okay? Should I stop? Am I talking too much for you? And I'm like, you are doing perfect right now. And the reason why that feels so good is because that means they've been listening to the other things that I've said, Mm -hmm. right? And they're now taking that lesson forward. And so (sighs) it's a give and take. It's a give and take. But the majority of them are still like, I think there's something to be said about the fact that other white people are not, are not showing up in these hard conversations. And I think when I do it, I'm called the savior. Oh, what are you trying to do? Who are you trying to? And I'm like, nope, this is actually my job. I've actually come to a conclusion the last few weeks that I think my place is actually in the X gen and boomer space. Mm-hmm. Because I think that those, that age group, cancel culture. I made a whole post about cancel culture and I've had a lot of these young millennials and, and Gen X or Gen Zers kind of say, no, it's not cancel culture. It's called accountability. And I said, yes, but there's an asterisk here. There are generations older than you that have experienced a whole two decades before you that had to go through very problematic teachings upbringings, nurturing that they are unlearning now that you never had to unlearn because you were born in a time that that didn't even exist. Right. You're canceling them for things and not giving them a few extra beats to learn. Now I'm not excusing problematic people, but I am saying that there are some people that need a little slower explanation and they need a beat to think about it. And I, and that is no one black or Brown. That is no one that is not white owes them anything. No one. However, I have the patience. I have the spoons. I have the time to say, you are getting one chance. I'm going to explain to you why this is problematic. You need to think on it. You need to shut your mouth. You need to listen. Do not tell me why this was okay in the past. Do not tell me what black friends told you this was okay. Do not tell me what you've done in the past to make yourself not racist. Tell me that you've thought about this and that you've done some reading. Right. But if that is not accepted and excuses are made after that, then you're done and I will cancel you. But I want to give that space to people because I feel like there are, there have been some older generation people in my lives, white people that are like, they'll say something problematic. And I'm like, let's talk about this for a minute. And they're like, Oh my God, I didn't realize. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about, you know, how this can change in the past. You know what I mean? And it's like, 
oh, thank you for taking the time for me. Do every, does everybody do that? No. <laughs> and right. that is low. But if there's a few people that I can make some space for, but I think what's happening is those people think that the black creators owe them that extra time and space. Yes. Yes. And that's, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. I am thankful for, for you doing that because we, we, if we're realistic, we can't expect change without identifying mistakes, right? right? right. You're right. not going to know that you're doing something wrong until somebody tells you that you're doing something wrong. And like you said, and I do the same thing. I will give you one lesson like you do. Em. I will give you this chance mm-hmm. of here's why you did was wrong. Here's what you can do to correct it, learn from it. If you make that same mistake, then you're being willfully obtuse and I'm done. But I have to, like, I, I have to tell you what you were doing is wrong in order for you to correct it, right? It's, it's like school. It's like driver's ed. It's, it's any type of interaction. We're going to keep doing the things that we're doing until we're told that they're hurting somebody. Right. If they don't listen, then I'm done. But it does come down to it. Just because you're learning to be an anti-racist does not mean that a black person or any person of color owes you that. If you are lucky enough to stumble across somebody like Elle or myself that's doing it on TikTok on this free app, then appreciate it. Compensate us. And that can look any way. It does not have to mean my Venmo. It does not have to mean my Amazon wish list. It can mean that you take that somewhere else that you donate somebody to a black organization, but you, right. you appreciate this learning and you don't keep it within yourself. And you made this comment about how you've been called a white savior. Somebody just asked that question in my Q and a box and they did a video about it today. I don't know if you've listened to it yet. And I said, for me, the difference between being an accomplice and a white savior is if you are truly doing anti-racism work, you are taking the lessons that you have heard from Black people or from people of color, from their lived experiences, from their real life um, incidents, episodes, whatever, and you're taking that and then moving it forward. You become a white savior when you start speaking for us or over us or trying to co-op this oppression that we have and say, well, I see what Black people go through all the time and this and like making these assumptions. That's a problem. Right. So it's a fine line between accomplice and white savior. You have to call out the bullshit, but you have to call it out in a way that you've been taught from somebody else. It has to happen. Right. Right. And I think the biggest difference there is holding yourself, coming into that space, understanding that there are going to be periods of that conversation that are going to be uncomfortable for you. But taking, taking that, leaning into it. I always tell people, especially if like a a read doesn't go well and they start to feel uncomfortable. Great. Did you feel that little pang in here that said, Ooh, and you really just want to throw all your words at right at me. When you feel that pang, I understand that. Now take that feeling and sit in it, write it down. Now you have a place to start, but if you cannot sit in that feeling, then you will never be able to take accountability for the times that you do mess up and you're going to. You're going to, but then, and I really do. And I don't just now, sometimes I say it to be petty, but I really do mean it to get a journal and write these things down. And I did that too. You know, being a biracial person who was raised in a white family, I had a lot of learning to do. I had a lot of unpacking to do. And I literally had to write it down. So then reading my own words was like, oh shit, that's kind of gross. 
right? And I had to hold myself accountable and then go into these conversations and say, okay, I had the conversation with myself. Now I'm ready to really listen to you, right? But you have to go into it understanding that you're not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. But if you're going to do this, then you're taking this as an opportunity to lean into those feelings of discomfort and learn from it so we can all move forward. Because we're just stuck in the, especially on TikTok right now, it seems like we're stuck in this loop. And we just, we can't get off of it. And it's because people are not taking accountability to the point where we're just having thousands of people having these same conversations. And you're seeing hundreds of hundreds of people a day not take accountability for it and then just seeing it spread. Uh Do you know how many many white creators and white people listen to this podcast segment every month and come to me in my lives or in private messages and say, you're so brave. You're so brave to talk about your mistakes like that. I don't know if I could do that. And I'm like, and I say the same thing every time. It's painful, but guess what? Every time I survive it, you'll be okay. You (laughs) will not be hurt by that level of humiliation. You know why? It's not humiliating unless you don't learn from it. Right. Exactly. I, I want to give a counter to the people that say that to you and that hear it. I know where they're coming from with saying that you're brave because you're putting yourself out there. I want to give a counter view. If we are celebrating the braveness of a white person for calling out their problematic shit, but we're not celebrating the braveness of black people for putting ourselves out there to educate white people that is a problem and for putting up with my behavior putting up with the problematic behavior in the first place we yes like yeah you're fixing generations of shit that you were taught why are we celebrating unlearning bullshit right like that's not it's not something to celebrate. It's something to acknowledge, but it's not bravery. It's maturity. Right. I got myself there. It's been a while since I led myself to a thought, but it's maturity. You are not being brave. You are being mature. You are unlearning years of things that you were taught that society taught you. I've said it before. We cannot control what we are taught as children. That is not up to us. We are not responsible enough for that. We're not mature enough. But as adults, we have a responsibility to recognize that what we have been taught is wrong. And as mature adults, just like we can make decisions like getting a job, getting a home, finding a partner, getting a pet, having children, we have to make a decision and saying, you know what? This shit that I've been living in is wrong. And it's not bravery. It's not. It's maturity and it's accountability. And it needs exactly. to be called exactly what it is. It's just like saying white fragility. I refuse to say it anymore. White people no. aren't fragile. They're fucking racist and they've been allowed to be racist their entire lives. You're not fragile. You're caught. Exactly. So we have exactly. to call things what they actually are. These words matter. They matter. They matter. They matter. So while I appreciate people acknowledging the work that you're doing, and I will do it to you all day long as well, but we need to make sure we're calling what it is. We're being mature. We're being accountable. Right. It shouldn't be novel. It should not be novel. It should not be novel. Like, oh my God, I'm your main hero. I mean, you're kind of mine, but I'm your main hero. But it is to a lot of people because it, it, 
because it happens so infrequently that it is such a novel idea for so many people. And I'm not saying that it should be that way, but seeing someone hold themselves accountable. And when I listened to the first episode of the Caucasian, when uh, Portia sent it to me, I was like literally digging in my garden. I like threw my gloves off and I was clapping. And when you were having the ML themselves moment, and I'm like, you don't see that very often where people are like on a public platform said, I fucked up and I'm holding myself accountable and going further by saying, Hey, to everyone else who's read this book, to everyone else who's done this, I'm holding your ass accountable now too. We're all taking this ride together. Right. Because I, how dare I point a finger at other people unless I've pointed it at myself first. Like yep. that is, that the absolute caucasity of pointing fingers at other mm-hmm. people, not making yourself accountable. Like I don't want to see, I saw so many businesses on Juneteenth post, make a post about the donation they made that day to a black business. Can we just do it? Can we just do it? Do we have to post right. about it? Did I need to post what who I was donating to that day? No, that's not what it's about. It's about just doing it and stop thinking that you need to prove something to anybody so that you because it's not about the proof. And we all know that it's not about the proof. It's about what they want after the proof. It's about right. access they want after showing who exactly. they donated to. But now you can be my friend, right? Now yeah. you can, now you can love me for everything that I am, right? No. Yeah. In fact, you can do this every day for the rest of your life and a black or brown person owes you nothing. Absolutely. Zero. And you can't be mad at it. You can't be mad at anything. Uh-huh. Period. I think that um there is this is a the, the reparations conversation is a great segue into the amazing um newsworthy events that are happening in seattle right now around seattle pride seattle pride is our seattle pride organization every year they've been doing pride for years um they have a board it's a big thing but you know pride has become very corporate target Mm -hmm. here Uh, it becomes this whole thing it's just gross um so a lot of the black and brown, especially queer and trans community have not felt represented or safe at Seattle Pride, especially since it's become corporate. So they've created a side event called Take Black Pride or Take Back Pride, the L is in parentheses, Take Back Pride at the Jimi Hendrix Park. It, there are black creators, artists, singers, songwriters, poets, like political uh, candidates. Like it's, it's a big, lovely event. The event is free for anyone that is black or brown, but white people pay on a sliding scale and all money goes to reparations. Yay, we love it. Love it. So having an option around the corporate pride. So two members of the uh, board there um, on Capitol Hill Pride, um, Charlotte Lefebvre, whatever, and Philip Lipson, all we have to say is they're I, I, I did extensive Googling on both of them. <laughs> they are both white. They are both in their 50s or 60s. Yeah, that's where we are. So they sent the caucasity level of this. They sent a letter on behalf of Seattle Pride um, to the city of Seattle's Human Rights Commission that states that it was come to their attention that Take Black Pride um, is charging white-only admis- admission as reparations, we consider this, these are from the letter. So this is the great thing about the Seattle HRC. 
they posted this letter, their response, and the half-ass apology afterwards. Oh, I love it. The, the, the transparency was beautiful. Um, it says, we consider this reverse discrimination in its worst um, form. A- actually, they, they typoed that worst form, they said. Nice. Oh. Worst form. And we are being attacked for not supporting due to, to disparaging and hostile emails. Please review this event's stated admission policy as we feel this is event is violating Seattle, King County, and state and federal equality laws. Additionally, we would like you to investigate this event as a possible ethics and elections violation because campaign manager for Nikita Oliver recently is part and hosting. Um, Nikita Oliver has been on my podcast. She is an incredible activist and human being they sorry i just misgendered they they um and uh yeah so this happened seattle hrc sent their response which oh i will be donating to them all the times um charlotte and philip thank you for reaching out to the human rights commission and the naacp respectively that was cc'd on that Mm mm-hmm Oh my. While we appreciate your thinking of us with this issue, we must unfortunately advise you to advance on this issue without the participation of the commission. The unique nature of your situation does not in fact violate any of your human rights as stated in the UN Declaration of Human Rights. Furthermore, we'd like to urge you to examine the very real social dynamics and ramifications of this issue. Black, trans, and queer peoples are among the most marginalized and persecuted peoples of the LGBTQIA plus community. They often face shame, not only from the cis heteronormative community, but within the queer community as large, at large as well. In making these events free for the black queer community, the organizers of this event are extending a courtesy so rarely extended by providing a free and safe space to express joy, share story and be in community. We would like to recommend if possible that you educate yourself on the harm it may cause Seattle BIPOC community in your pursuit of a free ticket to an event that is not expressly meant for you and your entertainment. I was like, I cheered. (laughs) And then they sent this half-assed useless apology. We apologize for the inquiry to the city of Seattle regarding take black pride. It was not meant to be an attack or divide, but to ensure equality for all. Capitol Hill Pride encourages community events and our mission is to recognize the LGBTQ plus community and all spectrums. We sincerely wanna elevate the segment of the LGBTQ plus community, especially the black transgender women and recognize the important history and contributions and support the segment of the hidden rainbow. Hidden rainbow? Hidden rainbow? Oh, this is not Skittles. This This is not lime to apple without telling us what the actual fuck. Oh, that is the scariest part of this whole letter to me. Oh, we want to recognize the important history and contributions and support of this hidden part of the rainbow. Hidden part of the rainbow. That's actually like at this time, we've requested an invitation of a meeting of hosting parties to resolve any issues and find common ground. That, my friends, is saving face. Yes. Yes. 
they have lost so many people. So many people are not coming to this now. So many people are going to Black Pride. They are being like yeah. the city. There's no common ground to find. Common right. ground happens when there's issues on both sides. Black Pride has no issues. They're doing something for the community at large. Right. But it speaks to a whole. You, you can't negotiate with racists. You, you can't. That felt sticky. <laughs> it feels so icky. It feels so icky, so sticky. Like, it, and it's like, we are already complaining about how our pride has been taken by corporations, by, yes. by all of this capitalism, right? And so you're turning around and furthering this by saying that the Black community can't take reparations for an event that they want to feel safe at. Like, that's actual caucasity was, I actually, when I read this, when this came out last week or the, earlier this week, I was like, oh, just in time for our caucasity segment. This is perfect. It's like the universe plans these for me. I <laughs> yeah, really. yeah, like we're in this bubble and we're so liberal and we're so, we're so amazing and we're this city, but then we're going to do something so fucked up that, you know what I mean? It was like, Oh my God. I'm still struggling with hidden part of the rainbow. Like, I, I feel like it. I have a little bit of heartburn from that. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Really gross. So are you saying the parts that you're seeing are just, I mean, cause of course I had to look these people up because that is my petty side. I was like, please, please let them bo- both be over the age of 40 and white. First of all, because that's <laughs> me. Like, I need to be in this circle because I need to know that I have access to them. Did I find out if I had mutual friends? Yes. Am I going to um, make sure that I cross paths with these people and have a conversation? Yes. Because that this, I guarantee, I, can't, I couldn't believe I could find their Facebook profiles, A, because I was like, oh, come on, take yourself off. <laughs> You're going to get dragged. Dragged. So, oh, God. That's, that's gross. That's our story here in, in the city. So, ew. Ew. Yeah, ew. <laughs> That's this weekend too. Is take Black Pride and uh, Seattle Pride. So that's I hope it. I can't wait to hear about how well it goes. Well, I think it's separating our community is what's happening. So I'm seeing the what I like to call them are the the queer bootlicker. Not queer. We can't use the word queer for them. Gay bootlickers that work for corporate corporations that are not mindful about where they put their money. That are the queer gay for play or just you know queer wannabes but aren't politically putting their money their mouths their actions in the right places but they love being gay and making videos telling everybody about it you know what i mean Uh uh-huh they don't want to be political so those people are still going to seattle pride and then everyone else is like boycott it and they're like why can't we just get along there's so much infighting that's what we're getting right now it's like the libertarians. What I tell you about them, Elle, they're the Republicans that like to smoke weed. Yes. <laughs> and me. It's the truth. Yeah. Wow, I didn't think about that. That's hilarious, but it's real. Yeah, my brain exploded. Yeah. <laughs> it's what they are. Well, um, as much as I feel like we could talk for hours and drink wine for hours, yes, um, I feel like I want to end this entire discussion on some joy 
because we are always focused on black trauma. We are always focused on trauma in the news that is, um, it's just unhealthy in a lot of ways. And I want to focus on some joy. So I would love it if either of you wanted to share some joy. I, I would like to call attention again to our Lord and Savior, Meg Stallion. <laughs> Can I just tell you for one minute, Shai is going to be so excited about this episode because Shai is just like such a Megan Stallion fan that this they're gonna they're gonna start praying to uh lord and savior that's what we should do so our lord and savior um was on twitter and there was this group of friends they had lost one of their friends and they were trying to raise the money for a funeral and so they just happened to tag meg and said we lost a real one blah blah we're trying to raise the money didn't ask anything else meg come back came back and said how much do y'all need and said we are eight thousand short she paid eighty nine hundred to cover the fees for going out fund me to make sure they can pay for the funeral. Our Lord and Savior, Meg Stallion. I love her. Oh, I, I love, love her. So why it's not it's not completely joyful for the reason why, but this is what a black this is this is what black women do. Right. Black women yeah. are here to save the fucking world. The stallion is the definition of <laughs> yes. right. And those knees. Yeah. Even Travis loves Megan the Stallion. I mean he loves her. <laughs> I, I get it. I would, I would, um, I don't know if I can even talk, like even with the explicit warning about what I would do to Meg the Stallion. So. Oh, <laughs> there's some black joy. <laughs> like I have fallen in love with her as a guest on, Leg- as a judge on Legendary. I don't know if any oh. of you have watched Legendary on HBO Max, but if not, it is a ballroom um, reality show and Megan the Stallion is a judge on that and comes okay. on the finale. This okay, you, you've said enough. Watch. And she is, she's just, she's her whole heart. She's special. Our Lord and Savior. <laughs> Please somebody make me some, some, uh, change white Jesus to Megan Stallion and all those paintings for me and make me like a velvet painting of Megan. I would frame it and put it in the house. Can I have, I would put that, I would put Megan the Stallion as Jesus in the last supper and a velvet painting in my house. In <gasps> seconds. Oh my God. With all our Thadianas next to her. Yes, please. Oh. Let's put that out to the universe. Somebody that listens to this, an artist can do this for us. Somebody can do please this. make it happen. <laughs> Portia would put like red velvet rope around it in her <laughs> and like cut. Yes, I would. I would. And I would have white gloves before I went anywhere near it. I would have to walk up to it nude because you can't have any lint. And then also because we should go. We should go. Oh my God. Okay, this is great. Um, Elle, you have to come back. It's, yeah, Elle, now it's a law. You gotta have that. Sorry. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I love y'all. This is good. Oh, I love you guys too so much. The, what but I'm so thankful for TikTok for this. With all of the, the bullshit, this is what makes it worth it. Mm-hmm. Elle, what's your um what's your joy? Are you gonna share some joy with us? Come on. My joy is my greenhouse. So I, I know not to make it about me, but let's talk about me some more. <laughs> I am so excited 
So my quarantine thing, so I went from being a medical assistant, seeing like 50, 60 patients a day, right? To just my dogs and my husband. And that was not working for me. So I had to get, (laughs) I love them all very much, but like it wasn't working out. Um, I needed a new hobby and I realized that I didn't really have one. Like working was my hobby and that's not a hobby. So my biggest project recently has been my greenhouse. And so I moved in a bunch of vegetables that were, failing miserably in my little vegetable garden. I was able to make fried green tomatoes this weekend from tomatoes. I grew, I know, I know I was so excited and so proud of myself. And I have my first little tray of things that I grew from seed and they're all coming up. I was so proud. I actually cried. (laughs) I'm growing like all of the lettuce greens, kale, chives, basil, moonflowers. Like I literally was shedding tears over the weekend, sitting in my greenhouse, like watching it flourish. It's like the little things, you know, it's I like live in there now. I don't ever want to be in the house. Don't talk to me. I just want to be with my plants. And I don't <laughs> care, right? It is. It is. Look at you. Uh, yeah. plant mom. I'm so here for it. I'm so excited. Thank you for being here. Consider coming back. Thank you for you know, me. Unpack it. Tell us how you feel. Yeah. Or should not be a lot, we know, but we we pride ourselves in that. So But I'm also a lot, so it works out great. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like we just all like we kind of think about each other through the month and then we're like, hey, it's time. It's time. Yeah. I call this like let's do yeah. it. Yeah. It's time. No, this is great. I would love to do it again. Yay! Oh, let's Yay. white people all together. I'm so here for it. Yes. Thank you both for your time. And like I say, every time, neither of you owe this time to me or anyone else. So the fact that you give it and that you are here, we all are so grateful. I am the most grateful and I will speak for everybody that listens. And if they don't agree, they can fuck right off because (laughs) I will speak for all of this. And I'm just grateful for you both. So thank you for being here. We will see you all next month for the Caucasian. Until Until then, we're out. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and all the episodes. We hope you'll join our quickly growing online community where there is always someone to hold a space for you if you feel alone. If you have an idea for an upcoming guest or topic, please don't hesitate to reach out. All social media links and contact information can be found at my website, MaryAngelaAbeo.com. And until next time, take care of yourselves and those around you. And by that, I mean, wash your fucking hands, wear a damn mask, defund the police, pay the fee, basically continue fighting for the rights of indigenous and black lives everywhere, including and especially black trans lives, and do your part to abolish all forms of systemic racism. I'll see you next time.